It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are locked on Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And I I do, I encourage you to go to PackerReport.com. We have a whole bunch of content up that's free that you don't have to be a member to read. But for our members, we have the world's best preview, which has been bordering on 6,000 words the last couple games. Um, I won't get to that level this week, I don't think. It's uh, never looked at it. It's three long stories. And then 17 notes after that. It's a bunch of stats, notes, quotes, analysis that I guarantee you won't find anywhere else. Then after the game on Sunday, I have my post-game numbers piece, which is one of our signature pieces, and usually an X's and O's breakdown of a of a key play. And then we have a deal with the NFL where we get to run NFL highlights. So we'll have uh, McCarthy and Rodgers at the podium and you know, m- maybe a montage of Aaron Rodgers or, or whatever. So... That's what we have over at PackerReport.com. And, of course, I encourage you to listen to the Locked On Network as well. We have Locked On Lions, Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy. So a lot of good stuff. Anyway, here's the plan for today and tomorrow. Um, on third and fourth down today, we're going to finish our Lions-Packers breakdowns. Well, that would be uh, Detroit's offense against Green Bay's defense. Um, at midday today, I'm doing the uh, – I know I've got a few emails on this from you guys – will be the uh, Behind Enemy Lions podcast with uh, the Lockdown Lions crew. So that'll be posted. Probably get that up um, late tonight for Friday morning. So that's the plan for that. And with that, let's go to first down, hey? And that would be Aaron Rodgers' Wednesday locker room session. An interesting day with Rodgers. If you haven't listened, I'm going to give you a taste of it as best I can. But I I encourage you to go to Packers.com. To look at the video of it, it was uh, just to get his demeanor. Um, it was it was interesting. I wouldn't say he was combative with us, um, but you know maybe he was. And he, but he just smiled his way through it. But either way, he made it pretty clear that he doesn't care about my opinion, doesn't care about your opinion, he doesn't care about ProFootballFocus.com's opinion, he doesn't care about all the uh, X's and O's, quote unquote, gurus out there on on the on the internet who. Think they know what's going on. He doesn't care about them. He cares about what Mike McCarthy says, his coaches say, his teammates say. But he doesn't care about the rest of us, which is you know, which is probably <laughs> probably right. I mean, he doesn't, you know, who cares about what we have to say, right? So I'm gonna go through uh, some of the Q and A here from yesterday and lead off with, "How do you bounce back after a poor game, Rogers? I don't change. I do the same thing every week and just try and execute a little bit better the next time we're out there." And he's asked. Is there such a thing as a bar being set too high? Rogers, that's a ridiculous question. So no. Um, how much this is from Rob Demosky, which is a really good question, which didn't get a really good answer, but how much better do you think you need to play, can play, should be playing? Rogers, you know what? I'm gonna do my job. 
I mean, I'm going to do it as well as I can every week, and everybody's got to do their job as well. I know I've got to play better, and I will. Are you unfairly criticized sometimes? Which I think is a silly question. Rogers, I'm not worried about the outside critiques or expectations people put on me. So then we uh, talk about the game for a little bit. Um, what does and Jason Willie then asks that Willie says that he would like to know what Rogers sees when he reviews, reviews the film. Rogers, I'm sure he would, but I'm gonna keep that to myself. Uh, so, so this point is this is this is the point where I actually talk about the game for a while. Um, some matchups with Detroit, uh, the Hail Mary, and then it, uh, then it turned back to the Rogers Rogers performance against Minnesota. Um, you know he. Uh, he the one the one area where he was a little upset with himself was the three fumbles. He said he can't do that, and he'll he'll get that cleaned up. He was asked about his fundamentals in general by Ryan Wood from the Press Gazette. Not much of an answer here. I feel good about my fundamentals. I'm a two-time USA All Fundamentals team, first team. I have the helmets at the house. True story. That is a true story. At every, every at the end of every season, the um, USA Football hands out its All Fundamentals team. Um, doesn't get much pub, so maybe you just maybe you just learned something today. Um, back to this, Rogers. Um, Rogers is obviously Rogers is obviously the key to this offense. So he was asked, "Does he have to take the blame for this?" And he says, "Of course I do. I have to. I have to lead by example. As a leader, you have to take the blame when it's necessary, and even sometimes when it's not your fault. I think it's important to let those guys know that you're going to stick your body on the line, but also you're going to stand up for them when you need to in the locker room, the meeting room, and the media, and take your responsibility for the way you played." And I didn't play as well as I wanted to last week. And I turned the ball over twice, and I can't do that. So we're going so to win the game. Oh, excuse me. Um, my bad. I didn't play as well as I wanted to last week, and I turned the ball over twice. And I can't do that if we're going to win the game. So I've got to play better, and I've got to play more efficiently on offense. So now it turns into the Jason Wildey show. And as you probably recall, Wildey used to have a radio show with Rodgers for a few years. At, um, I think this is about a year two without it. Um, Willie says, wants to know if this criticism that he's getting is just another chip on the shoulder for Rodgers. Rodgers is, of course, famous for having chips on the shoulder and using those as motivation. And this is where, uh, Rodgers just smiles his way through these next three minutes. Um, like I said, you should go to Packers.com and watch it. Um, no offense, Rodgers said, but you guys are predictable. And when we came in here, we knew when we came in here, and I knew I had this on Wednesday, I knew what the line of questioning was going to be. You guys got a job to do. You scrutinize, you analyze, and you make opinions based on how you feel a team is progressing or not progressing or playing. And we appreciate that. But inside, we don't think the same way that you guys think. We don't approach our job and scrutinize the same way. Now, we're very honest about our performance and about the way we're playing and about what we've got to do, but we don't worry about the outside opinions. Now, we appreciate the job you guys have to do and the platform you guys give us to get our message out. But we don't approach the game looking at it the same way as you guys do. And that's why we have the confidence that we can get this thing going in the right direction. This is not an end-of-the-world type moment. Like everything is coming down on top of us. We knew what was going to happen when we came in here because we've set a standard for so long, myself, our team, playing at such a high level that when we have a couple of disappointing performances, we know what's coming. Now, we would love to get back out there and dominate and have this thing turn around, but we know if we go on a run and we lose the game and play poorly, it's going to be right back in the same position. This is part of the game that we're prepared for. 
This is the game within the game. Just talking to you guys and giving you guys something you guys can use. We appreciate what you do, but we're not ultimately judged or worried about your opinions of us and your scrutiny of us. So Willie then asked the, the obvious question here. If our opinions don't matter, what is, what is your opinion? Rogers, I'm not going to because that's an inside the locker room opinion and there needs to be a separation between what you guys think about us and what we feel about ourselves because our expectations and our opinions of each other and the offense is way more important than your opinion is to us. So Jason basically asked Rogers if he would like to switch jobs. And if Rogers was watching Sunday's game, you know, what would he say? And then Rogers goes, for sure, that's what I'm saying. You guys have a job to do, so do your job. Make your opinions and scrutinize, but we're not worried about your opinions. And we're not gonna and we're not going back having sleepless nights worried about what you guys are saying about our offense. Because you guys don't know what plays are running, you don't know where the execution is, you don't know where the flaws in the execution lie. Now you're looking at whatever you guys are looking at to break down the performances. I don't know if you guys are doing the pro football focus type stuff or whatnot, but even that stuff, we're not worried about those opinions. We're worried about what Mike McCarthy says, what Tom, that'd be Clement says, what Edgar, and that'd be Bennett says, what Alex, and that'd be Van Pelt says. And we'll improve, and we'll get better, and we'll execute more. So that was that. Well, you know what? I don't use pro football focus. I look at it, but... I, at packreport.com, yesterday I spent, oh gosh, a half hour. I picked about eight or ten plays out, which I thought were key plays, and I wanted to know what happened. And I had that up at packreport.com for our members. You know, I think a lot of it goes on the quarterback. I, you know, you know, and the, you know, there is a thing here, and he gets into this too, about the timing of plays is important and, and things aren't being timed up well. And you know what? That, that very well could be true, and that's, a, that's the kind of inside the meeting room stuff that we don't know and can't know. And it would have been nice if you might have actually illuminated us on it to give us a better opinion. But all I know is the results of plays. And I looked at those eight, I think it was eight plays. I saw, I saw not very good quarterbacking. I saw bad decisions and missing guys who were open and throwing poor passes to guys when he did throw it. Um, I'll give you one and I have a, a whole bunch more of this. After the game, I broke down the fourth and two play. Um, but let's go to the third and two play where Rodgers throws the ball to Nelson toward the end zone against uh, second year, a rookie second-round cornerback, Mackenzie Alexander. The ball's at the 14, and Rodgers throws it toward the end zone to Nelson. Now, Alexander needs to be flagged here because he he shoves Nelson at the five. You get, you get five yards to shove guys, and that was eight, nine yards downfield. But nonetheless... Rodgers is looking at Nelson the entire play. If he would have looked to his right, Richard Rodgers is wide open. Richard, he ran a two-yard out pattern, so it was fourth and two. So he's he's right at the sticks. He has got um, the safety Andrew Sandeo outflanked. He probably gets to the ten. You know, and maybe you know maybe if Rodgers breaks a tackle, he scores. But he's got the first down. But he never looked at Rodgers. So that's the kind of stuff. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is always. Maybe he misses guys in the past. We just never see it because he's been so darn good, and he's had other guys open. But Nelson wasn't. Nelson wasn't open on that play. Richard Rodgers was, and he, and he didn't look at the guy who was wide open. So that's the kind of stuff that that I see, and that's concerning about this offense. That maybe this isn't going to be an easy fix because it's plays like that that make you wonder about the state of the two-time MVP quarterback. Hey, the Packers are one of four teams having their home opener this weekend. 
So finally, football is back, and it's a hot ticket. First of all, it's the home opener, but second, it's a chance for those Lions fans from the UP to make the trek down from places like Escanaba, Ishpeming, and Menominee. So no matter your rooting interests, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person. There's nothing better than being in this stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for the this weekend or any other game of the season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why with every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. And this is the best thing of all here. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, first, download the SeatGeek app. Then go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Then you enter that promo code, which is L. O Packers. That's L for O. Or me, <laughs> L for locked. O for on. P for Packers. L O Packers. Then SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars if you made your first ticket purchase. So go download that app, enter the promo L O Packers today, and enjoy Sunday's game. On the second down, that's more Rodgers talk. Every single week here, we always ask the opponent opposing coach about Aaron Rodgers. Whether Rodgers is an MVP form or he's been in a, in a rut like this, we ask him the coach, and we always go, yeah, he's a great quarterback. So I asked Lions coach Jim Caldwell. I go, I basically said, hey, every week we talk to the coaches about this, and everyone says Rodgers is, is the great quarterback. But he's in a slump. What do you see, I asked. And he says, greatness, he said with a laugh. That's what I see. I know oftentimes that people like to criticize, but let me just tell you something. The guy is phenomenal. The guy has talent coming out of his ears. He can make every throw. He can run. He's a great leader. What are you talking about? He's exceptional. So, you know, sometimes I just wonder if this, if this stuff is coach speak and, you know, you don't want to poke the bear, so to speak, on, by being critical of Rodgers or, you know, Jordy Nelson or, the, or the Packers defense or whatever we ask for a question. But just the tone of his voice there really made me think, you know what? He really believes that Rodgers is the great quarterback and, and, uh, you know, he's not buying the fact that this is, what, 14 games without a hunter pass running or all these other stats that are out there. So, um, four career matchups against Caldwell with the Lions. Rodgers, seven touchdowns, one interception. Last year, he threw for 333 yards in the loss at Lambeau, but was 35 out of 61 in that game. He threw for 273 yards in the win. Obviously, the uh, the 61-yard Hail Mary was a big part of that. Um, I asked my follow-up to Caldwell that was, other than the Hail Mary, you made him look pretty ordinary last year. And, says, uh, and then he says, uh, oh yeah, then I said, you know, what, what did you do well? He says, I don't know if we did anything well. And if we did, it doesn't matter. It's what you do this year that counts. And every team is a little bit different. We know we've got our hands full with him. He's certainly capable of completely destroying a defense. So we've got to get ready for him. So that's, uh, let's get back to the Hail Mary here. Um, McCarthy and Rodgers are both asked about Actually, we asked Caldwell and, and Matthew Stafford that in the conference call. Um, not very good answers, so I'm not going to give them to you. McCarthy with a little bit of insight here, though. Really, on all pass plays, and in particular the last eight plays, you look for the protection in the time clock 
because obviously when you have to make that throw, there's a longer time clock. And really the launch of the ball. When Aaron had the protection and just the angle he threw the ball, I just remember thinking, hey, we've got a chance. So it's definitely he took it to another level as far as the angle. I mean, that's a phenomenal throw. But just the fact that our protection time clock was intact, he was able to buy the time, get his feet set, and launch it. And obviously we all understand what happened on the other end. It was a great catch by Richard. And here's, here's Rodgers taking that play. Um, he's, he leads off with that for that face mask penalty for the untimed down. And he goes, I had a good feeling I could get it to the end zone. We lined up in a spread formation, and they had three down linemen. So I just knew it was about finding a launch point to get the ball up in the air. I felt confident. Once I got outside and we had some good blocks, that I could get it to the end zone. Just try and throw it as high as possible. Given that we were a little bit gassed there, having a couple long drives in the fourth quarter, then being back in the field at the end of the game, just wanted to make sure that they had time to get down there. And then after Rich caught it, it was just kind of a blackout wave of emotion. So clearly the Packers don't want to get down to that. It'd be great for Green Bay's sake to, to win this game in resounding fashion and get into that bye week in, in style. But at this point, a win is a win, and they'll take it however they can get it. And that takes us to third down, the Packers-Lions matchup. So we're going to start off this part with Green Bay's pass defense against Detroit's off uh, Detroit's passing offense. And obviously some, the big change here is Calvin Johnson, who's had some epic matchups with the Packers and Sam Shields. He's now dancing with the Stars and giving hugs to Urkel. Um, I do not watch Dancing with the Stars, people. I want to make that perfectly clear. My wife Melissa loves the show, though, and my desk is in the middle of, in the middle of her living area. So I kind of know what she's watching. And he was dressed like a bumblebee. I don't think, I mean, I don't think he, was, he was dressed like a bumblebee. It was like yellow and black stripes. It was, it was a strange thing. And then Urkel was there. It was uh, Anyway, that's neither here nor there. No Calvin Johnson. But the Lions signed Marvin Jones away from Cincinnati in free agency. And then in July, they added Anquan Bolden. So when you pair those veteran guys with Golden Tate, who's a proven commodity, and Eric Ebron, who um, an inconsistent tight end, but certainly some big play potential there. That, that gives them four threats. And then you got running back Theo Riddick, too, who's a terrific pass catcher. That's five really good pass-catching threats, and those five all have seven catches right now. Now, if you do the math that puts them on pace, they have five players with 56 catches. So that's a, that's terrific balance, and it's really going to test this Green Bay pass defense, which has been which has been exposed a bit um, against Blake Bortles of Jacksonville, and then last week against Sam Bradford. And and that and, you know that and that was with Green Bay keying in on the run game. So I, I may, maybe they'll help the Packers from that perspective because this week it'll be the passing game will be the option here. Um, I asked Caldwell about losing Johnson. He says, obviously you cannot replace a guy with that kind of talent. The size, the speed, the strength. He's certainly a Hall of Famer without question. Our game is a little bit different because of the fact that we're going to spread the ball around a little bit more than we had previously. But we have guys that without question we think can make plays. And Stafford, Matthew Stafford, the quarterback, has been really good through two games and has been for a while here too. Going back to last year, but in two games, a 101.3 passer rating, 67.1% accuracy, 600 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. He had 128.6 passer rating in the opener in Indianapolis, and that gave him four consecutive games with ratings of at least 115. You know, that's, that's the rare error that once was Rodgers' domain. And I think the, the big thing here is before week 10, Lions coach Jim Caldwell made a move at offensive coordinator and promoted Jim Bob Cooter. You can laugh at the name, but you can't laugh at the results. Since that move, Detroit ranks ninth in passing yards, third in touchdown passes, third in touchdowns minus interceptions, they're plus 20. 
and they're sixth in points. Um, I asked McCarthy about about uh, Stafford maybe playing at a new level here on, on, since the uh, that move to Jim Bob McCarthy. Let's be honest, he's played good football for a number of years. He's been extremely productive, and he's had some coordinator changes. So I think you definitely have to raise your respect level for him because he's gone through changes in scheme, and this is the scheme, in my opinion, he's most comfortable with. The one back and the ball distribution from the backfield and tight ends all the way through the receiver group. So he's playing very well. He's playing with a lot of confidence. Very impressive the way he's playing the first two games. Let's go back to these wide receivers. Jones, two games, 12 catches, 203 yards. He's seventh in the NFL thus far in yards. Back in 2013, he had 10 touchdowns with the Bengals. Bolden, seven catches, 83 yards. Obviously a veteran here. He's number 12 all-time with 1,016 receptions and number 16 with 13,278 yards. And this guy here, guy's an ageless guy. Last year with uh, San Fran, actually, it was, gosh, it wasn't with San Fran, um, Baltimore, 69 for 789 last year. That made him the first player in NFL history to ever go over uh, with 50 catches, 600 yards in each of his first 13 seasons. Um, Golden Tate, nine catches, 54 yards. Um, obviously, his six-yard average is terrible, but back-to-back 90-yard catches from him. Last year, he was eighth in the NFL in Yak. And if you remember that last game last year here at Lambeau, Green Bay needing to get a stop late. Instead, short pass to Tate. Takes it 43 yards, and it helps it up a touchdown, put Detroit up 18. I just said Detroit. Too much time around Mike McCarthy when Detroit becomes Detroit in every day conversation. Um, that put him up 18 to 10 with about two minutes to go. And Ebron, nine catches for 99 yards, and uh, running back Theoretic, nine for 92. So they got a lot of weapons in the passing game. And and while Green Bay got torched by Diggs last week and really had the emphasis on Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns against Jacksonville, this is an all-hands-on-deck passing attack, and Green Bay's going to have to play really well, especially with Sam Shields set us up in the air. This is going to be a big test for Green Bay's defense. And finally, fourth down, and that would be Green Bay's run defense against Detroit's uh, rushing attack. On Wednesday morning, the Lions put their top running back and leading rusher, Amir Abdullah, on injured reserve. That means it's Theo Riddick and seventh-round pick Dwayne Washington as their top two guys. Riddick has really made his calling card the passing game. I mean, it's, when he was in the game last year, they are going to throw it, and they are probably going to throw it to him. 80 catches last year, and that was uh, number one in the NFL among running backs, and it was almost double the number of carries, so a, a rare deal for a running back where he had so many more catches than rushes. But that's his game. Washington he, is, uh, is a bruiser, about 230 pounds, and is Schwartz said, or Schwartz, holy man, that's <laughs> their last coach, is uh, Jim Caldwell said he's a guy capable of either running you over or running around you. Um, obviously a rookie, so not a lot of experience there. And, I, and he, part of me wonders if they might make Washington the guy here and keep Riddick in that passing down role or maybe make it a timeshare or go with the hot hand here. I I just have a feeling that Riddick is not going to be the guy, but we'll we'll see. I asked Stafford about um, Riddick, the running back, as in the guy who you hand the ball off to. Stafford said, I thought Theo did a really nice job the first two weeks of the season when we handed him the ball. Some of his runs probably look a little bit more unconventional than other guys, but he does a really jo- nice job of gaining yards, and, that was, and that's what it's all about, that position. You know, the, uh, the change at running back for this week and the change at receiver without Johnson, not the only changes. A lot of old, with, uh, at, on the offensive line, they drafted Taylor Decker from Ohio State with their first-round pick. 
They put him in at left tackle right away, which meant that the uh, the left tackle for the previous four seasons of Riley Reese were at left tackle. Detroit's got a lot invested in this old line, and it's going to have to be really good. Decker, a first-round pick. Left guard, Lakin Tomlinson, a first-round pick. Center, Travis Swanson, a third-round pick. Right guard, Larry Warford, a third-round pick. And then Reef was a first-round pick. And Reef's the old guy here, a first-round pick in 2012. Everybody else is younger. And it's, show, it's showing up so far. Uh, Detroit, 5.3 yards per carry thus far. Riddick averaging 4.6. Washington, 5.3. You know, if you were... If you were to give one point for a first-round pick, two for a second-round pick, and so on, Detroit would have nine points for their first round, or for their O-line. Green Bay would have 21, with Balaga being the first rounder and everybody else fourth-rounder undrafted. So Detroit's put a lot of investment, a lot of uh, a lot of resources into that line. And, I mean, they're going to key this group, not just Sunday, but going forward. I mean, that's a lot of a lot of resources and, and a lot of youth, and you would think that those guys have to build something to get this Lions team to the next level. It'll be challenged this week. Green Bay's run defense, as we've talked about, number one in the NFL, 78 rushing yards. That's two games, 78. If you, if you give up 78 in one game, you're thrilled. I remember in, in 2009, I think Green Bay allowed 77, and that was the best in franchise history. So that gives you some, some perspective on their two games. Pittsburgh is second with 101 yards. But here's the impressive stat. Packers have allowed 1.63 per carry, Seattle 2.84, and they're one of only three teams that have given up less than three yards per carry. So Green Bay is more than a yard better than everybody else. Then other than Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Buffalo, the rest of the teams are, are, are giving up at least double the yards per carry of Green Bay. And the game against Minnesota last week, 1.36 yards per carry against Adrian Peterson and crew. And that was Green Bay's best game with in, in a game with 20-plus carries dating to at least 1970. The key to it all, I think, has been Mike Daniels, who's been phenomenal, and he was he was sensational against the Vikings. He spent, half, he spent the first quarter in the Vikings' background and and really set the tone. Him and LaTroy Guyon have been great to start the year, but then Guyon, the knee sprain early in that Vikings game, he's probably not going to play. And then, you know, maybe the more trouble thing, troublesome thing, we got to practice on Wednesday, and there's uh, Dayton Jones on a bike um, with a... With an injury, so you you wonder if Jones is, if J- Jones has got to play. And Green Bay's got to, and uh, we'll ask McCarthy about this later. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll actually answer answer any injury questions because he didn't yesterday. But Jones is key here. I mean, he's he's picked he picked up the slack from Guyon uh, last week, and, and you know, as, and if he can't play, they got and look. We, we've gone through this depth chart a thousand times, right? Mike Daniels is one. Kenny Clark, the first-round pick, is two. Dean Lowry, their fourth-round pick, is three. Christian Ringo, a sixth-round pick last year in a practice squad guy, is four. I would think they have to promote Brian Price off the practice squad to, to give him some depth. But this is a team that that is short on veteran guys. And without if Dayton Jones can't play, that's going to be a, a big blow. And obviously, you catch a break here with, you know, Detroit's probably going to throw the ball a lot, which means you'll, you only need two D-linemen to play their nickel package. So you, you can probably get by shorthanded, but... You know what? If I'm if I'm the Lions, I might come out and, and run the ball a whole bunch and see if Green Bay is up to the task. And you know, speaking of injuries, here's the injury report from yesterday: the five guys who did not practice, all defensive guys: Sam Shields concussion, um, Latroy guy with the knee, Dayton Jones, Clay Matthews with ankle and um, hamstring, and then safety Morgan Burnett 
with a groin. That's five guys and, you know, if you, what is that, five out of the top 13 or 14? If you include, I would say Dayton and Micah Hyde are probably the top reserves. So that's five out of, I would say your five out of your top 13 defensive player. Oh, Peppers too. So five out of your top 14 defensive players didn't practice on Wednesday. Obviously, Wednesday's a long ways until Sunday, and McCarthy's taking it easy on his guys after a hot game and then a dome game. So I'm not sure there's a reason to get too worried yet, but I think that is uh, something to look at going here for the rest of this week. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you once again for listening and for making the show a big success. You can subscribe via iTunes, the Android app, or just follow me on Twitter, and I will uh, let you know two or three times a day when the podcast is out where you can find that. So once again, thank you for listening. Friday will be the Locked On Behind Enemy Lions podcast with Locked On Lions, so I hope you listen to that. Have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.